When you look at non-affirming Christians and you look at Jesus, they often seem as far apart as they could get. There are so many things that many Christians are doing and believing that are so unlike the Jesus they claim to follow, but they slap Jesus' name on it like a stamp of approval. Honestly, Jesus has to be shaking his head saying, oh my gosh, please stop. So what are those differences? It's time for our Christian gut check. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday? So I call you up and you call me down. Would it be okay? Well, hello and welcome to the Freed Hearts podcast. We are so glad you're here with us. My name is Robert Cottrell and I'm here as always with Susan Cottrell. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. We are going to have a Christian gut check. <laughs> Christian gut check today. Are you doing what Jesus said? And before we get into that, I want to just say, just remind you of a couple things here. Please email us if you have any questions for us that you'd like us to answer. We do have a visit to the Freed Hearts inbox coming up soon. Anything that you would like us to clarify or answer or address here on the podcast, email us at podcast at freedhearts.org. And that is the website at which you can connect with us uh, and learn about all things Freed Hearts. That's freedhearts.org. And we have links there to our YouTube channel and our this podcast, of course, but you already know that because you're already here. Also, our new Beloved Adventures, which we have a few of those going as we speak and coming up, and that's th- those are just our signature program now, and we just love, you love doing love, them. I love doing them, oh, yes. And the feedback we're getting so are, are just amazing, and and they are usually 21-day journeys with Susan, and uh, I mean, <laughs> can it get any better than that? <laughs> and also on the website, we have an extensive list of resources and links covering all kinds of things and helpful tips for students, for seniors, for theology, all kinds of things there. And please, if you like what we do, if you think what we do has value, we could use your support. You can find information there as well on the donate tab. So that's it. That's all I got. Thanks for tuning in. No, we have, we have, do we have something more for we you We have today? a show for you. We have a show. Yeah. Quick faith disclaimer, because we're going to talk about Christian stuff. We address religion to dismantle the roadblocks to love and inclusion. That's why our tagline is to change the human conversation on love and inclusion. Free hearts to love and be loved. We talk about faith issues because we want you to be free of all that residual crap in your head <laughs> about that, to deconstruct those things. But uh, please know that this is a fully affirming and inclusive podcast. You are safe here. So let's talk. Let's have a little Christian gut check here. Susan, when you look at non-affirming Christians today, and you also look at what Jesus did and said and taught and what we know about that. They seem to be absolute polar exactly opposites. Exactly the same. Exactly <laughs> the same. Yeah, wait, who are you? <laughs> uh, they're polar opposites. And, yes. And that's in daily life. It's in the news lately. And, and it's far from being the same worldview. They seem as far apart as they could possibly get. Yeah. And all the things that so many non-affirming Christians are doing. And then what they do is they take something that's clearly not loving or not Christian, quote-unquote, not Christ-like, and they slap Jesus' name on it like a stamp of approval, and that means it's okay. And Jesus has got to be shaking his head saying, oh, 
my God, Jesus Christ. No, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys. What are you doing? Please stop. Just yeah. stop. Don't put my name on that stuff. Yeah, yeah just exactly. stop. Yeah. Um, so what yeah. are some of those differences that are so, yeah. so far apart? And let's, I guess let's start with Jesus. Okay, let's start with Jesus. Well, the main thing he said, the main thing he said, and we say this, I feel like, all the time, it's our main message, the main thing he said was the very most important thing. He said it was the most important thing, and that's, what is it? It's love. It's love. Love, 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 love. Not judgment, labeled love, not tough love, which is all tough, no love, not hate rebranded as love, but love, just love. Love for God, love for others. And the Bible says that if you know God, if you love, you know God. Yes. And if you don't love, you don't know God. Yes. And if you say you love God, but you treat your siblings like crap, then you're lying. That's exactly what it says. But it's funny that as soon as you mention love as the greatest commandment, non-affirming Christians seem to go off the rails. They tell you how love means telling someone they're wrong, and love means stopping people from sinning in the way that you've determined sin to be, and all those things that just got made up, ideas that were inherited in our culture but are absolutely patently False. They're just false. That should be a huge red flag. If I've got to say to you, I love you. Well, let me, well, let me explain exactly what that means <laughs> and, and why, even though it doesn't feel like love to you, it is love to you. That should be a huge red flag that yes. something's, something's whacked out here. Yeah. If I say, I've got a gift for you. Now, let me explain what I mean by yeah. gift. <laughs> it means that you're going to... Something you have gonna, to pay for it. Oh, open the box and there's a catch somewhere. Right. <laughs> like you have to pay for it or you print. have to give it back later or, you yeah. know, all kinds of things. That's not what Jesus showed us about love, is it? No, it's not. Jesus showed us that real love, what it really means, it means love. It means when someone's hurt, you help them. When someone's hungry, you feed them. When someone's bullied or mistreated or falsely accused, you stand up for them. That's what love means. It's not a word you just say and then do whatever you want. And there's no other way to interpret it if you're really being honest about it. Yeah, and he shows us exactly what this love is and love for your neighbor, which is how he described love in the story of the Good Samaritan, which, you know, was an oxymoron in that culture. You, the people hated the Samaritans. And so for the Samaritan to be the hero is really amazing. It's like today the equivalent of, I don't know, a black immigrant transgender woman <laughs> with no money. That would be the hero of the story. And that person shows us what love is. That's the one who helps us, who helps us see what love is and helps the person who's been beaten on the side of the road and left for dead. And you know who walked by that person <laughs> was the religious leaders. They crossed the street to avoid helping him. And this legislator, that, that's the thing, the religious leader and the legislator went across the street out of their way to avoid helping. Jeez, this, and, and this happened last week? Is that what you're talking about? This, yeah. This, yeah, yes, every week. We talk about the, the impact of faith-based family rejection on the LGBTQ community, self-harm, depression, substance abuse. That's being hurt and beaten on the side of the road. Yes. And... People are going out of their way not to help. 
Yes. That's like the story you told about the church that wouldn't hand out water. Yeah. At, at the a, marathon because they, they realize gay people run in the marathon. Not giving a glass of cool <laughs> water. Jeez. And the irony is rich. So, but I want to say here, if you're an outcast, you're someone that re- the church rejects or culture rejects or your family objects rejects, when you just love your fellow human being, you are the hero of the story. You're the hero. You're the one being rejected. You're not the villain. You're the hero. And you're the one who speaks as a follower of Christ. Right. You're the one more closely modeling the way Jesus lived than the, than yes. the quote, Christians who are condemning you for it. That's exactly right. And all that stuff about doing th- things a certain way or following rules or any of that is just BS. It's sleight of hand to distract us from this very simple but challenging command to love each other. You know, yeah, we talked about the red flag that should go up if you have to explain why what you're doing is love. (laughs) And this is so simple that it's, it's very difficult to control and to manipulate into a, um, a self-focused, self-serving, patriarchal, a behavior-focused religion and business. And that's why they make it complicated. But the Word tells us, the Bible says, there's a passage that says, the enemy comes against the simplicity that is life in Jesus. This is supposed to be simple. Yes. And it's supposed to be simple. Now, another way to check is, would you want to be treated that way? Yes, yes. I mean, that's that's the golden rule in every major religion. I'm not going to my child's wedding. Well, would you want your parents to come to your wedding? I know there are some of you out there with some whacked out parents, but that (laughs) that aside, that aside. Would you want to have a relationship with your parents where they come to your wedding? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So if you don't go to your children's wedding. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's disqualified as a Christian response. Yeah. Disqualified. It's not. And I it's, jumped all over what you were saying. No, no, no. That's great. That's, and it's not, by the way, it's not the message that they think they're sending. I'm going to stand up and be righteous and holy and, and not attend my child's wedding. Well, that's not how it's perceived, by the way. That's not the message that your children get or anybody that goes to the wedding. So yeah. just a little aside there. And then the second one? Second yeah. one the yeah, other yeah, one? Number two. Yeah, that Jesus said, wait for it. Don't judge, <laughs> don't judge others. Oh, this is a little challenging because we really like to judge. It really comes naturally to us to judge. And you hear it all the time. You hear things like hold each other accountable. And, and well, Jesus told people not to go and sin. So you hear this all the time. But Jesus said, don't judge others. Right. But we're very conditioned in this hyper-masculinized, hyper-competitive culture we live and breathe by judging. I mean, look at our shows, American Idol. I mean, just <laughs> all of those kinds of the you know Olympics. We judge all the time, and we're not, we're used to it. Well, and I and a little side note here that I think on a deep, deep, deep level, the reason that we judge we've been trained this way, by right. the way, right. by the behavior focused rules based church and society and culture. But, yes, mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. But I think the reason that we judge so much is because we feel so judged. Yeah. And we and we don't know, don't believe that we are beloved. We don't believe that 
God has our picture on God's fridge. And, <laughs> and, and we don't believe that stuff. So in response to that panic, that fear, we turn our focus to other people and judge them. Yes. Well, they're worse than we are. At least. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's a real challenge not to judge. It's a huge challenge. And, you know, it's a practice to be in that Zen place of non-judgment. It's something that you develop. Yeah. You do a really good job of that, by the way. I'm a little judgmental when I drive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, what's what are you doing? Sit in this lane. Whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. You're laughing. Yeah. You know this. And and you're so good at like, it's okay. You know, it's yeah. And and you're right. It is when, what it is. When I do that, it doesn't do anything except upset me and stress me out. And yeah, I don't know, but you're very you're much farther down that road towards that Zen place of non-judgment than I am. So Thanks. I admire that. Well, it's a, it's a practice. It's a developmental thing. And, and you're so much farther down the road of loving yourself yeah. and knowing that you're beloved than I am. And, and I think that fuels that. There's just yeah. no need, so to speak, no need to bring somebody else down. Yes. Because what you want for people and what our goal here is to free hearts to love and be loved as, as they deserve. Yeah, and when you're not, and the judging thing to not judge is to be present. It's to be, this gets tricky because as soon as I say this, it's like people say, well, you know, my dad is being horrible to me, but I'm not supposed to judge. No. Yeah, flush that out a little When bit. you're present, you say, oh, wow. He's going to beat me right now. He's, or he's, you know, he's threatening me. And the non-judgment part is that you are, uh, have an honest appraisal of the situation. And then you duck out, you move out, you, you know, take your younger, younger sibling with you and get out of danger. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is non-judgment doesn't mean you have no more discernment or you're not seeing what you see. It means you actually do see what you see. You're like, oh, okay. I see what's happening here. And then you respond accordingly to that. Mm. Does that is yeah. that clear? Yeah. And I think there's a huge difference too in that analogy. You're talking about what someone may be doing to you or someone may be doing who is under your care, like a child, your child. Yeah. A lot of the judgment that we're talking about is judging others for things that have nothing to do with you, you know, and that's a that's a huge difference. Yeah, and it's like the people that are most tender-hearted. I as someone saw our, our post that was about being an armchair critic, and he he messaged me and said, "Do you think I'm an armchair critic?" And it's like this guy's been through hell mm-hmm. with his family and community. I'm like, no, no, that's I'm not talking about. We love you, by the way. We know you're listening. <laughs> We're not talking about making... I mean, it's different to stand on the side of the oppressed and stand against the oppressor. That's not an armchair critic. No, right. When you're the one in the arena, you're the one slogging it out, then you're able to say, this is not okay. If you're standing with the oppressed, you're able to say, this is not okay. By contrast to the armchair critic where you just, you know... Where you're standing, oh, they shouldn't... Look at that. They you stand with the that. oppressor. <laughs> And say you're not okay. That's those are two very different things. And those are what armchair critics often are: is they'll stand with the the judgmental uh, folks, the the oppressors, and say, "Oh well, you're not okay." To the yeah, ones underneath, hurting, the or the ones yeah. that are that have shared something vulnerable or 
been authentic or, or opened up about something, they'll say, oh, that wasn't right. You shouldn't have done that. You yeah. know, and yeah, the armchair so, critics will be sitting along the side of the road. They're, they're up in the seats. Yeah, watching the religious leader walk by the hurting person in the street and go, well, that person shouldn't have, shouldn't have done what Shouldn't they, have gotten himself hurt. Yeah, shouldn't have gotten themselves <laughs> hurt. That's right. Yeah. It, it's different when you go down with the Samaritan and say, well, can I help you here with this, yes. with this person? And stand with them against the people who just walked on by. Yes. That's not an armchair critic. Yeah. So, yeah. so to get back to judging, it's like to be in that non-judgmental place, that sort of Zen presence place is a heightened awareness of what's going on around you mm. and a heightened ability to respond to it. Um, one of my favorite quotes I think Oprah said is, believe people when they show themselves to you when they show you who they are and don't wait for them to beat you five times before you admit that maybe there's a problem and you're not the problem. Believe people, you know, as they show you who they are. And so. That's good. Thanks for explaining that. Yeah. I have a feeling I didn't quite clarify it fully for people, but. Well, is there kind of a, is, is there kind of a, um, a gut check uh, default here where, if you find yourself on the side of the oppressed versus the side of the oppressor kind of thing? Yes. I mean, the whole Bible, the whole Bible, the whole, all of religion should be read from the point of view of standing with the oppressed. That's the whole idea, not with the oppressor. And it's been used over history. Religion and Mm. scripture of all sorts have been used to further oppress, to stand with the oppressor. That mm, wow. we, we want to disempower the oppressor and empower the disempowered, uh, empower the oppressed. So I think that's the way to see it. You know, to notice that someone is hurting someone and come to their defense is the right way to go about it. And then try to... Because that's how you love people well. And try to stand against that oppression, speak out against that oppression yes. and make it and help it not happen again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's not to stand with the oppressor and say, yeah, they should never have done that in the first place. Yeah. They shouldn't have been gay that's or whatever. The, that's the kind of judgment we're talking about. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. And then number three, I think what we have is that the focus is all about community. It's all about relationships. Yes. <laughs> We have no idea how relational, communal, the, all of that stuff was in Jesus' time, in the Old Testament time. We are the anomaly. Modern-day Western culture is the anomaly, this myth of the self-made man. And I say man, it's usually them claiming that, not women, but it's probably both. This self-made person is a myth, and, and it's like, I don't need you. I got here by myself. And so everything that was written in all the scripture was based on community, mm. based on community, not my individual personal piety, which then allows me to be excluded and thrown aside. That's what it's been misused and abused for is to, is to help the religious leaders, those in power, those with wealth yeah. and in, in power, separate themselves, protect themselves, further themselves, by, again, dividing between them and, uh, and those who are not worthy in their eyes versus the rules. It's almost like we say, don't use the Bible to understand love. Use love to understand the Bible. Yes, I love that. The same thing is true here, that if you 
Don't use the Bible to understand relationship. Use relationship to understand the Bible. All those rules are in the Bible to support and protect community and relationship, to help us live well together. Yes. And a young non-affirming person said to me, well, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Like, you know, like he had me dead to rights. And I said, do you know then what he went on to say? Yeah, we hear that all the time. Yes. If but, you love me, Jesus said, "You'll if you love me, you'll keep me my commands. But he followed that up. Yeah, the next thing he said was, and I give you a new command that you love each other. That's the command. That's the command. I would say it's the old command too, properly interpreted, which is what he was doing by that. So, okay, Jesus said, love my, keep my commands. What command? To love each other. Yeah. Oh, we're back. We're back to that. <laughs> yes, we're back to you that. You know, and, and that's one thing that we often, that's often ignored by the rules-based, not affirming church is that Jesus said things like that, where he's, you know, he said, keep my commands and I give you an, and here it is. Well, they yeah. leave out the second part and here's the new command, love right. one another. He also said, I know you read this, but I tell you this. Yes. And because it's the spirit that leads us in all truth. It's not the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible, by the way. Right. <laughs> Just, you know, and, but we're taught to not trust our heart. This is the Christian gut check here, is are we doing what Jesus said? That's the idea here. So if Jesus said, trust your heart, the Spirit's going to lead you in truth. I know what you read. I'm going to tell you this. I give you a new command. But we're taught not to trust our heart. And Jesus' teaching is just the opposite. And he also said that the least trustworthy people are the religious leaders. Yeah. So that's the gut check here is for those of you who are claiming the name of Christ, of Jesus, is that the core of your beliefs? Is that what you're following? Is that what you're doing, loving that way, trusting your heart, listening for that still small voice? Yeah. You know? If not, you're just appropriating that name. (laughs) Yeah. You're just appropriating all that goes with that name to your own ends. I love the idea that Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. The rules were made for people, not people for the rules. Whenever rules came into conflict with people, he chose people. Yes. Or and appeared to come in conflict with people. Right. Sometimes. It's, yeah. it's a misinterpretation or a misteaching. Yeah. But he always chose people. But imagine if you were a parent, if you wanted to have children, and you said, you know what? I want to have children. And you say, why? And you say, because I really want somebody to keep all the rules of the house. They're like, wait, what? Please don't be a parent. Please don't have a child and go get therapy now. People are not meant to be here so that we can keep rules. Rules are meant to be a facilitator of us living well together in community. That's the gut check. If you're, there are several things here that if you're loving, but you're being told that it doesn't feel like love. If you're focused on rules over relationship, practice and theology, I guess, orthodoxy over people. If it's about rules, it's the church. If it's about relationship, it's Jesus. You know, and if you have to disclaim what you're about to do or explain it, what you're about to do, that's probably a pretty good indication that, that maybe it's time to stop. You're off track. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and along with Jesus, shake your head and go, oh, wow, I need to stop this. <laughs> I need to re- reset, go back to the basics, remember the simplicity of life in Jesus. And trust your heart. You can trust your heart. Yes. Hear, hear me on that. You can trust <laughs> your heart. 
the Spirit will lead you in all truth. Because you are, you can, you can trust your heart. There you go. Because you are, you are delighted in, and there you go. So yes. <laughs> next yes. week, we're going to continue this a bit and talk about why so many people have really hesitate in calling themselves a Christian. And we're going to talk more about that next week. So we love you. Thanks for being here. We're so grateful that you give us this time to speak into your life, speak into your heart. We don't take that for granted. And we don't take that lightly. Thank you so much for being here. We love you. You are beloved. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday? So I call you up and you call me down. Would it be okay? You've been listening to the Freed Hearts Podcast. We have extensive resources and vibrant community for you at www freedhearts.org just come say hello and if you have questions or issues or comments about the podcast things you'd like us to talk about reach out to us at podcast at freedhearts.org the music is provided by Hannah Cottrell our daughter the Grammy nominated Saint Sinner and you can find out more about her at heysaintsinner.com please share this subscribe and follow on your favorite platform and thanks for listening